0: Hello and welcome to Real History, the podcast where we discuss fictional films, games, books, television and all sorts of other things that have some period of history uh, in the story and we decide to what degree is this a useful text for historians, or for learning about history, or for understanding the period of history that is being fictionalised. My name is Hugh David, I am your co-host and co-producer, I'm also a history teacher and tutor, and amongst other things. Uh, with me is my co-host and co-producer...
1: Bonjour, je m'appelle Jenna.
0: <laughs> Jenna Pateman, um, who is a history grad uh, undergraduate, sorry, um, yes. on her way to being a graduate. Um oui. and. And who is also a specialist in animation, Disney and various other aspects of animation for history. Um, yeah, um, and,
1: and then my other specialty is Holocaust, which is such a juxtaposition.
0: Yeah, I think it, it's pretty much that's your personality defined right there. I'm a specialist in the Holocaust, and I'm a specialist in Disney. There we go, right there, right there.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, today, the, today's episode, we are going to look at the um, 90s ver- American version of The Man in the Iron Mask. Yes. So, if you haven't seen it, spoiler warning, I should actually do this at the start of every episode. I don't, because I assume that if you're coming to a, a podcast called Real History, you know there's gotta be spoilers, because history's happened already. Uh, <laughs> but, sorry. But, uh, yes, so. I wonder
1: who won the, uh, war. Of the roses.
0: I know, mm. I know. They're all just, oh, don't even start me. So, the 1998 version of The Man in the Mind Mask, um, which was a film version, it's the directorial debut of Randall Wallace, who is the writer of Braveheart. Uh, he's an American, Southern born gentleman, Jackson, Tennessee. Um, and he it was also a producer on Pearl Harbor, the Michael Bay version. Oh,
1: um
0: oh. He, <laughs> Well, he wrote it. He wrote that. Ooh. Yeah, I thought you found that interesting. Um, he's <laughs> we, spe- we're i would
1: have I, to do that at some point.
0: Yeah, just because I've never seen it, and I've actually, I actually have a copy here now because I bought a, a Bruckheimer box set. Oh okay. A while back, and it was in it. And I was like, yeah, well, that's the. I'll treat that as the extra. Um, but uh, he's Wallace is basically. I wouldn't say. I would he, he. His. His. He's, I wouldn't say he special, specialises in it, but Hollywood goes to him for historical stories and he likes telling historical stories. He's not always done historical stories. He cut his teeth in American television on the sort of junky, fun action stuff I used to watch when I was young, like Hunter yeah. and Stingray and stuff like that. Not the British Stingray, the American Stingray. Um, yeah, because of
1: course Stingray brings off a very certain image to me. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: the American one was a crime thing. Um, and you know, But at the same time... Um, he, when he, after Braveheart kicked off, um, you know, he he walked some interesting lines in the sense that he did, um, he still had a couple of stories that were being done at a low budget, but then he does The Man in the Iron Mask and that really, that and Pearl Harbor kick off kind of the scale he starts to work at quite consistently and then he does We Were Soldiers and so forth and so on. Mm. Um, his la- The last thing he directed, interestingly enough, was a, a his Point of Honour, which uh, he wrote with Carlton Cuse, the famous TV producer who does Lost and um, uh, The Strain and all that sort of thing. Um, and they—it's called—it's a TV show that—and um, TV sorry, it's a movie that he worked on. But I think looking at everyone involved, it looks fairly TV, so maybe they aired on TV. But it's an American Civil War
1: okay. TV movie. That's it. TV movie yeah. in
0: 2015. So I suspect he probably based that. I would be interested to see if he based that on his own roots. Um, and he and he also directed Secretariat, the one about the horse race.
1: Oh yeah, that's on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can <laughs> see he's got he's got a a working relationship with Disney. So you should be able to get most of his films. And now that Disney Plus is available in Britain, anyone listening to yeah! us who is based in Britain can watch these. Some of these, uh, including I believe this is where you watch Man in the Iron Mask.
1: No, I watch it off YouTube.
0: Oh, you watch it off YouTube. Okay, fair enough. Oh yes, I of course. To... Cause it's...
1: I had to buy it off YouTube. Yeah, that was different. <laughs> uh,
0: the so so I've seen it on DVD. I did I see it on VHS. I might have. Um, yes, I probably did actually. I don't know if I've got the Blu-ray because uh, I kept meaning to upgrade the DVD. I actually like it that much, even though I think even though it got a lot of raspberries that year. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, the raspberries are the American uh, fun comic. Alternative parody to the Oscars kind of thing, so for film's rubbish, they give it awards.
1: And Halle Berry had the best speech ever from it.
0: <laughs> yeah, very true.
1: Yes, when she won it for Catwoman.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, she. You know she 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 gets it. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so I think. Um, so what, where should we start with this? Where do you want to start with this, Jenna?
1: I don't know because I've. <clears throat> My interaction with the Three Musketeers is very light. We should actually... Yes,
0: sorry, for people who don't know, The Man in the Iron Mask is based on a... A chunk of the third of the three Musketeer books as novels as written by the famous Alexandre Dumas. In French, we would have to say Alexandre Dumas' père, because his son also became a writer. Or one one of his sons, because he had uh, not just a wife and kids, he had affairs and many kids. Um, (laughs) At the last count, they reckon he had 40 affairs. Uh, (laughs) He's
1: he's not doing much for the stereotype of a Frenchman, is he? (laughs)
0: He's he's a big part of why that stereotype exists, <laughs> and he knows it. I mean, it was a big part of what he who he was and what he was about. Uh, but it was also quite common socially at the time.
1: Hmm.
0: It's very important to recognise that in the seventeenth uh, and eighteenth centuries in French society, this was it was quite normal, particularly in the upper classes, for men and women to have not just to have affairs, but to have mistresses and um, what's the male equivalent of a mistress.
1: I have no idea.
0: Other than a lover,
1: I think it's just a lover.
0: Mm, that's not fair. Somehow, we need to have no, some no. sort of. We need to have something else. Because suggests... if you say
1: master,
0: it doesn't work, does it?
1: No, it means something completely different.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Fifty Shades of French royalty. Um... <laughs> So, uh so yeah sorry. We're
1: laughing more at this episode than we did before Christmas.
0: It's been a oh I don't know. We had a few we've had a few laughs in a few other episodes as well. Yeah. Um So, yes, sorry. So for the listeners, this is from Alexandre Dumas, The Famous Writer of Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo. Those are the the novels he's best known for in English, um, both of which have been filmed many times in English as well as in French. And in fact, uh, some of his other works have been filmed in other uh, countries and languages as well. Um, Dumas himself spent time, at one point he fell out of favour with one of the kings of France at the time, and so he left France um, and travelled and lived in Russia, lived in Italy. So he's quite well respected in those nations as well. Russia in particular, um, St. Petersburg features, I think, in one of his novels, and um, there's a recent Russian movie I'm trying to get hold of, which is very much an Alexandre Dumas-style story. It's an 18th, uh, 18th or 19th century set story about a man who is a professional duelist he gets hired by noble people to go and do the duels for them
1: outsourcing that's a good idea
0: I know but apparently it's the the first Russian movie shot in IMAX and they've used loads and loads of CG to recreate St. Petersburg and it's full of glam costumes and incredibly cool uh, pistol duels where he does incredibly cool things in order to make sure he wins uh, anyway, um, yeah, sorry. So Dumas is well known around the world. A couple, uh, one of his other books, um, which is less well known in English, but um, The Corsican Brothers, has been remade um, not just in America and England, it's been shot in Bollywood th- three or four times over the century. I mean, these are, you know, Dumas is big globally, you know? Most places in the world. I mean, there's a reason we have Dog Tanyan as an animation, <laughs> yes. and, you know, the and Japanese.
1: There's, there's no
0: yeah, there's a reason we have an anime a sci-fi anime based on the on Monte Cristo, you know, Gankutsuou. Oh. Yeah, you know. So, anyway, love... sorry. Sorry, have... I'm
1: just going into Uh um, Oh, well, you seen... well, there you dream. go. So
0: you don't just know Musketeers, you've seen Gankutsuou as well. You've seen yes. so you know the Monte Cristo story as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Um I sorry, I... just animation again and just oh. <laughs> Yeah,
0: but but th- I think this is the point. You know more yeah. Dumas than you realize.
1: I guess, but it's, as I said, with the three musketeers, I don't know much about them. Okay. But to the point where I was slightly confused that there seemed to be four in...
0: Okay, so that that's <laughs> the first thing everyone... Yeah, so the first thing that everyone learns when you read the first book is that the three musketeers are the three famous adult musketeers that D'Artagnan, young D'Artagnan, who has not yet become a musketeer, meets. Yeah. And the joke is that before he even knows who they are because he's a hothead he meets each of them one by one as he arrives in Paris, and 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 causes offence to each of them, and they, and ends up challenging all of them to a duel, one by one, because he's convinced he'll win. So he says half an hour after each one, he's like, "Well, I'll do. Stu- I'll see you at twelve, and you at twelve thirty, at the same location." So when he goes there to meet them, they all <laughs> turn up because they know each other, and they're like, "Oh, hello!" And then they're like, "Wait, why are you doing? What are you doing here?" And they're like, "Oh, well, because this young whippersnapper." And, and and they're like, well, he's pretty confident. And they're like, yeah, okay. Well, you go first. We'll watch. If you don't, don't you don't have to leave anything for us, kind of thing. And then he turns out, and then he turns out to be pretty good. Yeah. And at which point they have start to have more respect for him. But the problem is the fight then gets broken up because in Paris at the time there is a, there's supposed to be a rule that there's uh, any man anybody wearing the king's colours is not or even the queen's colours for that matter is not meant to be dueling. Ah. And so um, the guards, because there are factions here, and so you have the musketeers and you have the guards, and there's loyalty to the queen, loyalty to the king, there's also the cardinals as well. Mm -hmm. So basically they get set upon by an entire unit of guards, and um, in most film versions, that's where they all band together and start fighting, and where D'Artagnan realises who they are, and he realises you know they're famous and the the the, and the thing is what he what they don't realize until he tells them in in more detail is that he they know his they know or are aware of if memory serves his father oh okay because he's come to the reason he's come to be a musketeer is because his father was one if memory serves yeah so it's his father or his uncle, but the point is, it's related. And and this is part of Dumas' own history. His father was um, the son of a French nobleman who was living abroad in one of the French colony, colonies, um, the one that's now Haiti. Haiti. And okay. he had a, a slave. Uh, he he, made, he had a slave woman wife, I think, or was it a mistress who, who he made pregnant? And Dumas' was uh, alex uh, dumas's father, Thomas, Thomas, I think he was was the sun and he sent him off to military academy and he rose up to be one of the first great French generals of color. Oh Gen- wow. Colonel. Yeah. Colonel. Um, there's a whole, Oh, he's amazing. We all, he's an amazing history. I mean, there's a whole great bio bio historical biography of him in English. Um, and he, but he's, his life is the basis for Monte Cristo mm-hmm. elements of musketeer, you know, Dumas, who, Alexandre Dumas himself got to be a, a writer instead of a fighter, you know, but yeah. so a lot of what he writes came from comes from um, comes from his his dad's life. But his dad was amazing, successful, you know, all these things. But also got wronged at one point, robbed of his 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 estate and all the rest of it. You know, it's it's, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I'll stop talking. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, not,
1: I mean,
0: <laughs> so look, Iron Mask, you you were I confused thought... a little bit because there are four. So. D'Artagnan yeah. at the end of the Three Musketeers obviously becomes well during the Three Musketeers he becomes a cat he becomes a musketeer over the course of the stories because there are three books there's The Musketeers there's 20 years later and then there's The Viscount of Bragelonne aka 10 years later which is where the 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 Man in the Iron Mask is book 3 of that Yeah and along the way Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Yes, I can still remember the names. The three musketeers, each of whom is a very well-defined character and each of them is slightly is very different from another. Aramis is somebody who wanted to be a priest.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so he has that kind of ascetic view, but he's decided not to be a priest for various reasons. Uh, Athos is... How would you describe Athos? He's the, he's the pro-soldier, isn't he? He's kind of yeah. more... Yeah, and... um. And then you have Potos, who's the 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 big the big living guy, the, the the I eat and I drink and I like women and I enjoy myself, yes. which is basically Dumas. <laughs> <laughs> From everything I can find out, that's basically what Dumas was like. <laughs> um, and he's always the character everyone loves in every version of the films. Um... Yeah,
1: he seemed a bit like I'm here in the. In the Man in the Iron Mask. Well, I think a... <laughs> yeah, it
0: makes complete sense, and part of the problem with the Man in the Iron Mask is that one of the lead characters in the book is, uh, is um, Athos's son. Uh, because one of the things is that over the course of the books, obviously they age, and with yeah. there being twenty years between the first book and the second book, by the second book there are characters, there are sons, there are daughters. You know, Milady has a, has a son, Mordaunt, who becomes the new villain. And all this sort of thing, and so oh spoilers.
1: Um, D'Artagnan has a um, son, well, two.
0: Yeah, but, but this <laughs> is my point. This is my point. So you know they that fit that all goes with the timelines of the book yeah. in some ways, and, and 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 I think that's the thing. So that one of the things about the Man in the Iron Mask is that uh, Dumas is trying to sorry the the, the, the well, Wallace's version is trying to streamline everything for Hollywood. Yes. I think. I think that's a th- because it's 98. DiCaprio's on his, well, his rising star.
1: He's just done Titanic.
0: Yeah, massive fan base. Um, Every
1: single tween girl is in love with him. Exactly. myself. I yeah. had a mirror with him on. Proper 90s looking thing. Wait, really? Yeah, I had like a mirror that just had his face on that I brought like on holiday. And then when I was off on like a camp thing with I think with like girl guiding my mum accidentally smashed it and I forgot about it, <laughs> it wasn't oh well like yes Teen crushes,
0: easy come easy go <laughs>
1: yeah it wasn't until like years later that I was like what ever happened to that mirror and mum was like uh, uh,
0: uh. <laughs> by the way you do realize you're about 10 years too old for him now <laughs> even though he's so much older than
1: you <laughs> yes well in the felt he's he's. <laughs> Sweet baby, well, half of him in this is sweet baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? You can see why he took the role. So, so in yeah. it, the book is famously based on a, on on uh, what was seen as a myth, but now a lot of historical research has uncovered who that there was a, such a prisoner in the Bastille and who we think it yes. was. It's definitely not who the book says, obviously, because the book is all about drama and excitement and adventure. Um, it's and in this case, who
1: could have he been?
0: Yes, so there was a prisoner who was kept uh in a sealed in a a locked mask made out of metal um, um which obviously they a...
1: think it could have been felt
0: yes, that would make more sense, yeah, dramatically, it's like, oh, iron, but obviously felt would make much more sense because you want them to breathe, <laughs> and you want them to survive a little bit yes. um. So, anyway, this prisoner was hooded and kept away from the general populace in the prison. Um, so, the assumption was he'd either, he was some sort of political prisoner because you wouldn't do that to beat somebody who commits yeah. just regular crimes. And the fact
1: that he was really well treated as well. That was yes. the other thing. So, his yes. face was covered and he was well treated.
0: Yes. So, Dumas takes this and turns it into a, weaves it into his fictions of the Musketeers. And I sh- I keep saying Dumas. That's not completely true and completely fair, Jimass. And probably because, let's be honest, this is a really good way to do things when you're an author. Was one of those first one of those authors who, and not many people did this. I think it was very smart of him. It's more commoner. You know how manga artists in Japan have, as they become more successful, they have a studio of people who work on different parts of the.
1: Yes. Manga for assistance. Them?
0: Yes. And some I of
1: the
0: I've read Back the... Man. <laughs> Yes. So, so, so the artwork is never just the one person, even though there's the one no. person's name on it. So the backgrounds will have been done by another person, and then there's some the of the details
1: done by Sornau.
0: Right. So Dumas did that with his books as he got more successful he had a whole studio of people and he had a friend of his who basically would suggest what about if we use this idea as the plot line for the next one <laughs> and Dumas would go yes that's great and then they'd go out and have a big dinner and celebrate And then he'd come back and borrow it and rewrite it and change it but this guy really got credit august something i have to look it's in you can find it online um hmm. french scholars have now so you know researching Dumas and who what he did or didn't write is is is, is as big in french literary scholarship and historical scholarship as it is Shakespeare's in Britain in that sense. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of time and effort people have put into... Because also a huge volume of his material has, been, has survived and been archived. Mm. There was one guy in New Zealand, an amateur collect, historian and collector, who amassed what is considered to be the largest collection of original Dumas material in the world. Wow. And when he died, it was died, or it was at some point in his life. It was passed on to the local university, so it is now accessible to scholars.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: I mean, we're talking about thousands of handwritten pages and materials, and you know, um, because Dumas kept diaries and he kept, he know, he 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 kept sort of plot planning books and all the rest of it. So, Mm. so he had lots of people working with him, and so even though towards, so when you get to the point of his career where you get a, a, a a threequel like this cut up into four chunks because it's being serialized each of which is its own book (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you can understand why the man in the iron mask which is book three starts to feel a bit kind of let's tick some boxes and let's put a few ideas in but also why he would go hey that's a great idea let's use that idea yeah um and so he ties it into the musketeers the musketeers at this point are old men uh, D'Artagnan, being the youngest of them, is still in service Yes. in the film. In the books, he's left and come back. He's been blackmailed into coming back. Uh, it's much more complicated in the books. They simplify it for the film. Um, there is still the loyalty between him and the Queen, although in the books she actually kind of forgets <laughs> at one point <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that she owes him a favour for the first she promises at the end of the Three Musketeers. She's like, "Hey, any I will one day. I will help you in a massive way." And then in these later books, it's like <laughs> the, the people who do bring him back are on the king's side and are like, "Uh, yeah, we'll do that. If you will, you do this for the queen, even though the queen's not involved." And then they go to the queen and say, "The queen, we've got doubt in your back," and she's like, "Oh, whoops." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I love that. Um... So yes, and people have kids and whatnot. So so it's so Wallace just strips out all of that.
1: Yeah, because in this only, not oh, Pathos, Amos has a Athos,
0: kid. Athos, Aramis, Porthos. So Jeremy Irons plays Aramis. Yes. And Jacques de Berger plays Porthos because who else could you get to play Porthos? <laughs> you want a large Frenchman who drinks a lot and loves life. Who else? <laughs> right i mean when yeah. they cast him i was like well yes because he's done it before in french and he's also played the count of monte cristo and he's just the right guy um but you were going to say sorry you were going to say which one you were after was it the, athos or aramis the
1: other one uh uh what? what's his name uh john Malkovich hang on i'm
0: just looking it up again uh john malkovich yes his yes. character yes athos
1: yes he is the only one with an official kid
0: Yes, and that's the thing in the books. His kid is really important to the plot because because the, the 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 book is actually the, the the series of four books. Sorry, the series of four books in the third one is named after him because he's the Viscount of Bragelonne at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, this is what I mean. They just strip it all back because basically this is meant to appeal to people who have seen Titanic and have seen <laughs> the 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 the, um, the the DiCaprio version of Romeo and Juliet.
1: Yes, you it know. is. Pretty much. Hey, girls, want to see uh, yeah. DiCaprio act two different roles?
0: Yeah, but it's also quite macho. I mean, it is kind of yeah, we have got girls, but the the the, the cast that the male cast is absolutely astonishing, and the female cast is equally astonishing.
1: And and he does have some scenes without a shirt. Of course,
0: God, are you kidding? Can you imagine they would never have sold the film if it didn't? <laughs> if all you saw was Gerard Letpadias belly, no one would have, you know. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Um but i mean i i i am perf- the, the fact that I am a massive fan of Anne Pariaud, who was Nikita originally um mm. and she plays Queen Anne Judith Godre, she's christine she's great um uh Peter Sarsgard the, who much younger back then he's he's playing Raoul the Sun, yeah um but then you've also got Hugh Laurie as the king's advisor,
1: yeah, just randomly yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> you know I mean it's an interesting film because historically most of the american and uh, British adaptations of Dumas stories don't actually have anyone French in them. Yes. <laughs> the, and this is kind of interesting because it shows you the rising clout of French cinema. Depardieu, at this point, has been in, if memory serves, he's been in Green Card and a couple of other American things and he's got, you know, French film is, is more recognised in the world at this point Yeah, you know, Paris, Nikita was a massive success everywhere mm. um, so I think that's part of the reason why I quite like this version is that it feels a bit more balanced between the sides um, and because you can't knock Gabriel Byrne, Jeremy Irons John Malcolm, I mean this is like one of the best musketeers ever <laughs> <laughs> I mean Gabriel Byrne's great. He's great in everything. He's great in the usual suspects. He's great in um, *Miller's Crossing*, two of which are two of my favorite movies. I, uh, he's he's like everyone. When everyone else is overacting here, he's like the one underacting. Yeah. He's just totally cool, isn't he? He's just like playing it like super cool. You know, like the bit where he throws his sword through the fountain.
1: Yeah, that was a bit... Why did the sword not, like, move a bit? Because, because it was... A...
0: Would... Yeah, well, early CG plus he's cool. He's that cool. <laughs> 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 you know, Dumas is very big on that kind of action that is fat, impressive but is also kind of, like, cool for cool's sake.
1: Like when the peasants start throwing f- rotten food and you, I'm like he's going to catch them on his sword or cut them, isn't he? Yep, yep. That's yep, yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> like, that's
0: the sort of thing that even if it isn't in a Dumas book, it should be. You know, yes. Wallace gets the tone. This is what I find interesting about the film. People who dislike it, I think, are mostly anti-DiCaprio's performance. Which
1: was pretty good.
0: I thought it was all right. I, when really... I finally saw the film, I was like, "What's wrong? I think it's okay, don't you?" You can
1: tell the difference between the two characters, mm. which is the most important thing.
0: Yes, yes, because in the, because in, in in this version, as opposed to in the in the in the history in real history and the 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 the, the 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 unknown prisoner who we think we have an identity for these days, but we're not sure. No, um, because they burned this...
1: everything when he died. So. Yes,
0: in this version, he is a twin. Of the king of France at this period of time. And he's been locked away because everyone's worried about who and what he will do.
1: And succession and... Yes, lots of politics. Of course course it's politics.
0: Mm. But if memory serves, the film simplifies even that. Because doesn't it turn out by the end of the film, basically, spoilers of course, (laughs) it turns out that the one who's imprisoned is the one who should be on the throne.
1: Yeah, because he's technically the oldest.
0: Right. So that's a change from the book. Because in the book, it kind of, it gets all very muddy because of of who's got loyalties to who. Basically, in the later books, the Musketeers are pitted against each other because of their loyalties. Mm. So there is a point in the second book, for example, where, in 20 Years Later, where... um, two of them go off to England in the Civil War to help save Charles
1: oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> while the other two are like yeah we're not doing that <laughs> nah. we've got loyalties elsewhere with other people um, and then you get um, uh, in this book you have those who side with one, t- one of the twins and those who are like well not sure about that because at this point Aramis has become a senior priest.
1: Yeah, he's a Jesuit.
0: Yeah, and he's manipulating politics.
1: they mention in the film, but don't mention what a Jesuit is at any point. Yeah,
0: again, that whole streamlining, they assume you should know. They're like, oh, everyone knows about Catholic church stuff, don't they?
1: (laughs) Because it makes it seem, um, I read uh, somewhere when I was doing some research, and this is the way it actually did seem in the film. It made it seem like it was an order like the assassins or the Templar. Yeah. Like, okay, well, what's a Jesuit? It, the only yeah. reason I know what one is is because of early modern yeah. studies, and yeah, it's
0: there is a lot in this film that is brought down to a very, very basic level. of and
1: also you're expected to know who everyone is, and it's like, well,
0: well, well I sometimes wonder if that they got the if they if they if the I feel like Wallace made a film. And the compromise was: we'll put Leo in it to get it made, and then you, if you want to sell it to the young people, you can. But I feel like he made a film for older dads. It's a yeah. dad movie, yes. Because, like me as a guy, I know. I mean, like even when it came out, I was these were actors I, I was I, I loved watching. These are actors I knew, men and women. You know, I know the story. I know, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like. And and anyone else I've met who likes the film is usually an old, usually not always an older fella.
1: I liked the film. It was yeah. just very silly.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very hard to to look at Dimas stuff these days and take it seriously because he is writing for a period of time when it's very much early entertainment. It's twenty four style cliffhangers. God, he'd have liked twenty four. <laughs> I've just realised that. Sorry. Um that level of silliness is probably you know you know you yeah. watch twenty four, right?
1: No, I, I know of it, I just haven't seen okay. it. Okay.
0: Okay, 24, it's like, this is a security office for for an American, you know, security agency, and yet they're the most awful, horrible, backstabbing office mates. And you're like, why would these people work together in an office? Why would you even (laughs) trust them to save the nation? You know, they're so disloyal to each other. Um, And it's like, yeah, that's because you're doing it just for the entertainment and the drama. And I think Dumas would have understood that. Mm -hmm. Um but yes, so, so the whole point of the film is you have, is, is A, it's a kind of, hey, look, old musketeers. B, it's a, look, kings, queens, politics, uh, you know, lovely time for costumes and stuff. But let's be honest, yes. the costuming is amazing. Yes. The outfits are amazing for everybody. Everybody looks great. The lighting's good. The locations are nice. Um, certainly... I would
1: say that the prison that um, Philippe, uh, the man in the eye mask, mm. uh, was kept in was a bit too prison because he would have been kept in much nicer surroundings. Than. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. They make it pretty nasty, don't they?
1: Yeah. They yeah. make it what you think the prison system would have been at the time rather yeah. than how aristocrats were actually treated in prison. Like yes, the Bastille was actually a quite a nice place, mostly. Yeah, no,
0: that's a good point.
1: So, yeah. That's a
0: very good point, considering what we're here to discuss.
1: Yeah, and the fact of uh, the real man in the Iron Mask was a valet to, I can't remember who it was, but some other political prisoner. Yeah. And um, he was kept in very nice surroundings and had proper beds and that sort of thing. So, Mm. yeah.
0: I think it's interesting that... um the film did actually win awards that weren't um razzies yeah and stinkers uh it but it got them for the score mm. the music um and it got them for costume <laughs> you know which given we're saying that, yeah these are the good things and Depardieu got one for uh contributions to world cinema and I suspect this was just one of the films that counted towards that um I don't know about you but I think the other problem I always have cuz this is a gorgeous looking film and it mm-hmm. and, and money is spent on it and it it, it like you know much like as with Hollywood whenever they do these sort of things if they have a decent budget they do it right they make everything look stunning but
1: and they seem to be actually on location as well did not they
0: yes yes there's yeah. there's a num- you know they eat, they're getting outdoors it's not all studio bound which of course is also again a filming tradition with the musketeer films over the years mm. um but there's a few, th- but but you know, in the end, Wallace, because in the books the the Musketeers are pitted against each other, and because there's all kind of daring do, um, he, he, you know, he can't have that. He needs. He's an Amer. He's writing American writing an American version. He needs there to be a not a happy ending, but he needs there to be a big dramatic look. They're still together. One for all, and all for one. You know. Yeah. And while I love love the rescue scene when they break in to try and get the prisoner out and there's the whole let's face the guard scene
1: yes when they're pinned down With it's basically stormtrooper aim <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah exactly yes exactly <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid meet Star Wars you know um, I love that scene the bits I love it so much. When you, when you said, let's do Man in the Island Master, the first thing I did was send you the quote from the, the, the commander when he's, you know, yeah. the guy who's commanding the the the, the, the 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 prison guards when they all charge and, you know, there's the big slow motion, they're all charging. He just goes, magnificent valour.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was, love that so much. I will say I was kind of giggling over it. I, <laughs> I know. Was like, oh, it's so amazingly hammy and I love it. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, that's my thing. I think you have to have a certain enjoyment of this sort of thing. I think there's, a, again, I think it's a Western tradition more than a French tradition. I think that, uh, and I think this very much comes out of the 70s versions of The Musketeers, which were quite famous and massive hits, uh, where Oliver Reed was Porthos and uh, Richard Chamberlain was was, was um, D'Artagnan, that lot of films. They're mm. very campy. Yes. And I think that's become, like, the, 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 the take on it. It's about having fun. You know, I mean, the, the Brat Pack version of it in the 90s with Kiefer and all the Charlie other... Sheen. Yeah, that one. <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, you see the fact you're laughing, that's the response, right?
1: <laughs> it's just, you think of Charlie Sheen being in Anything and You Laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Oliver <laughs> Platt's Portos, isn't he?
1: I, I don't know, I've never seen yeah. it. It, it might to... be on Disney+. Plus
0: it probably is um and it feels like that film is also a reason why this film happens
1: mm.
0: uh so yeah so i think i think I, wallace gives us stuff that is not in the book in any way and i think he i think he gets us there in an interesting fashion and i like the way he does it and i like his cast and i like it a lot about it but in the end it is slightly kind of <sighs> is this all we get Mm. Is this the best you can do with Dumas?
1: Well, that wasn't there. The Musketeers mini series on BBC at one
0: point. Oh, I love the recent Musketeers three seasons. I need I to really... watch
1: that.
0: It's very sexy. You'll like it. Yeah. There's lo- lots and lots of uh, bare chest, muscle, bare chests, and long hair, and lots of leather. The basically they redo it as a as a kind of period. it's 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 a lot of it is um dressed and shot like a western
1: I was going to say how did you know I like that um, oh
0: well because i remember when i posted a few years ago with the uh facebook game uh for posting um pictures of hot men <laughs> Do you remember my? because my one of my friend's ex-wives started it and um, yeah. and I thought, Ooh, that looks like fun. Let's see what happens if I post these. And I can't remember, it was like pick five men and post photos per day and I posted some and you were just like, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, who was he? Oh, yeah, that's it, it's Stephen Amell. Because <laughs> I started with the Green Arrow.
1: I am such a housewife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I started with the Green Arrow and you were just like, because of course, I made the point of, rather than just picking cheesecake shots. I was like, "Here's a suit. Here's cheesecake. Here's so, here's you know something else. Here's yes. cheesecake." So you got a variety.
1: Yes. Uh, cur- yeah. I've had to admit to my daughter that I currently have a crush on a uh, certain Lucifer. <laughs> well, that's
0: understandable.
1: Yes. <laughs> and that advert that has oh, nothing uh, to do with anything. So,
0: so when that first went up on Instagram, I thought that was really funny because they did that on Easter. <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he is risen.
0: Yeah, um, and um, so when, we, when we, before we watched an episode of Lucifer the other day, that obviously Netflix trail that, that runs yeah. in the, the window, and um, my partner was playing Animal Crossing, and she just looked up and went, oh, hello. <laughs> 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 I was like, yes. I do but I do like Tom Ellis as Lucifer. He's wonderful. He's very very different from the comic book version but I do like him. The comic yes. book version is much more kind of David Bowie goblin, Goblin King. Yes. You know, he's much more I haven't kind read of... it
1: but I know of it. Oh, the so. comics
0: great. It was a And a I first... know it's
1: another Neil Gaiman, so.
0: Well, it's a spin-off. Um yeah. but it's it's written by the guy who Mike Carey who went on to who did The Girl with the uh, with the Gifts, All the Gifts recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great writer. I've met him a couple of times. Lovely guy. Um, I love his comic book work. His care, he did that. His, his Lucifer is what made me a fan of his work. But he's now worked on everything, including X Men. You know. Um, yeah. Sorry. So coming back to the Iron Mask. Um...
1: <laughs> we just went off on one. Now.
0: <laughs> well, we always do, don't we? Um. So so so. Look, here's the thing. We've been, we 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 you know people who want to see it. Easy enough to get hold of it now. YouTube. You know, secondhand. Discs. Two
1: pounds fifty on YouTube.
0: There you go. Um, <laughs> and it, I'm sure there's a lot of people who've seen it already. Um, every the people who have seen it and like it, I think you know know why they like it. Like we just, yeah, said.
1: it's very 90s historical action cheese because it yes. reminds me a lot of Prince of Thieves.
0: Yes, yes, very much so, very yeah. much so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which Absolutely.
1: is something that I used to watch all the time as a
0: kid. It's worth pointing out, by the way, that of the many books Dumas wrote, he wrote two Robin Hood novels. Oh, did he? And the first one was called Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We're going to have to do Robin Hood at some
1: point.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now that I know Dumas has done some as well, because I didn't know that. I'm a huge Robin Hood fan. I did did one of my big uh, history essays at school on it. Oh, I have I still have the book that I used as research for it right here on the shelf in front of me, which is um, which at the time was the only historical study on Robin Hood. Oh, OK. I mean, there's a lot more research now, or even though it all still confirms that there's no such person as Robin Hood. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, hey, lots
1: of them get a lot of tourism from it. <laughs>
0: and no, nobody cares anymore, do they? They just he the, the legend is what it is. And I enjoy the legend and I enjoy different versions of it. Um. Uh, and yeah, if we're going to do Robin Hood, it's an excuse for me to watch that recent film, ver- super action post Green Arrow version of it. Yes. That looks mad. Um, and the
1: furry version.
0: What furry? You mean the ver- Disney. You mean The wonderful Disney version I saw when I was a child <laughs> in the cinema?
1: I actually saw it first in the cinema as well. Mm. So The, the yes. furries
0: don't get to claim it just as their own. We um, all have a piece of that one.
1: Did you know Zootopia is actually a sequel? What? Yeah,
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, it's, you... it's the same um, timeline.
0: You know what? I'm, you may have just convinced me to watch The Utopia.
1: It's so good. Watch it.
0: Okay. All right. I'll add it to the list. The other thing, like, the other animated film I would like to see is uh, Kim and I want to watch Cats and uh, is it Cats and Dogs. No, Secret Life of Pets.
1: Oh yes, Evie loves that.
0: Yeah, because the trailers make me laugh so hard. Um, <laughs> So, oh, you've got
1: access to uh, Google Plus somehow. I have no idea how you uh, Google Plus, Disney Plus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we miss we missed the fifty quid one, but we are thinking about it, sir. Um, but yes, um, <laughs> so we 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 given we so we, would, we when we chose The Man and the Iron Mask, we both knew that we were picking a film that plays with history to begin with, because even the original book plays with history. Right? Yes and the setting is more about an appropriate setting for um an actually story mm. um, it's interesting cuz the the reviews at the time were very much um all over the place um i like quite which like the av club disc- sorry
1: which you can understand from this yeah. Of
0: film yeah um I quite like the the description of everybody's accents being all over the place. Depardieu mm. um, has a French accent, which makes everyone else's accents not French. <laughs> Make you go, wait! Shouldn't everyone else sound like him? Um, yes. Irons and Irons does his typical Jeremy Irons British accent. DiCaprio and Malkovich sound like they always sound everywhere. Is what the review AV Club review said. Um, and uh, on the other hand, Variety got it right, I think. An unusually sober and serious-minded telling of it. Uh, but it does come up short and boisterous excitement. I think that's the other problem. I think everyone was expecting more action. Yeah. And it's not very action-packed. The action that's there is great, but it is very much a political drama. It's very much a drama in that sense. mm. So I think that might be part of the why it didn't succeed is people were expecting it to be more action packed, um, but I don't think I don't think this film needs that. I think this film is about older age and you know decisions you make later in life when you know you've made mistakes, and it's very much a kind of it's like a western, you know, it's like a, an older western, like a six seventies western, or you know, it's people going well these are the old guys who survived somehow.
1: Yeah. These Would ones actually made it into adult, older adulthood.
0: Yeah, and they have regrets. Yeah, and I think a lot of the boisterous humor at the start is a contrast to that. It's kind of reminding you of what they were like, and then they and then they have to get on with being serious. Mm. So, so I think I think again, I think that's the thing that people missed at the time. I don't know. Uh, that's my feeling. So, so what 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 do we give? I think it's Good.
1: aged quite well though. Still, even Good. though it is silly,
0: mm-hmm. it's.
1: Just a fun film?
0: Yeah. In my do opinion. you th- do you do you think it looks cheap? Because I don't think it does. Several of the views at the time said it looked cheap. I think it looks pretty good.
1: I thought it looked pretty good. I I saw someone moaning about the fountains being used and it was like no, fountains were a thing at that point. <laughs> mm, Cause obviously mm. people keep thinking that like um different technologies weren't invented until much later and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there are all those little inaccuracies, like the fact of uh, Louis. Uh, what number is he? 10, uh, hang on, I'll tell
0: you one second. Uh, this Louis 40? is sorry.
1: Fourteenth?
0: I think so.
1: <laughs> they they were really bad with coming up with names for their kings, weren't they? Just <laughs> uh, let's just call him Louis.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, makes it.
1: Hard when you're trying to go right, which Louis is it? Okay, um,
0: well, I think I hate to say it because it's fiction, I'm not sure it really, it kind of weirdly doesn't matter because no, I there's know. a fiction. No, 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 what I mean is there's a fictional twin anyway, so <laughs> which one? Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he is
1: the father of the Louis that got guillotined, yes, yeah. So,
0: so, so this was, I mean, it's also interesting because I think sometimes people, I think sometimes modern. Uh, readers or viewers think Dumas is writing about stuff that happened concurrently with him, and it's not. You have to kind of get tell them apart. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's Louis the Fourteenth. Philippe right is concealed from birth uh, by Louis, his father Louis the Thirteenth, right? Uh, and Louis is the one who is in charge. Um, but the thing is that what's interesting is that that takes you back to. Um, I'll get the dates right now, haven't I? Uh Louis the Fourteenth, Louis the Fourteenth. Uh you and I always have this problem, don't we? <laughs> Trying to remember. Uh so Louis Fourteenth, King of France and Navarre from sixteen forty-three to seventeen fifteen, mm. right? But the book is written it comes out in eighteen forty-seven. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing people need to kind of get their head around, is that this is Dumas is doing with history what a lot of the stuff we we look at in this podcast do with history. Yes,
1: it's, <laughs> you know? it's not a new thing.
0: <laughs> no, he plays fast and loose because it's entertainment. Yeah, you know he he was in the business of entertaining, and he knew it.
1: I, I could see how someone might confuse this for historical fact, though. Oh, because even though it's really silly. If you know nothing about the French period, this period it's in France,
0: yes, yes,
1: and the fact of, if you go looking up things, uh, King Louis the Fourteenth did have a brother called Philippe, who was yes, a younger brother, uh, uh, yes, uh, but was so a go, twin, oh. yeah. So okay. I can yeah. sort of see why some people might think of because it,
0: it's like recent Americans thinking Game of Thrones is accurate medieval history. <laughs>
1: It's based off some.
0: <laughs> I know, but it's not
1: actually how we did it. No, we don't have dragons.
0: Uh, well, we thought we act- we acted like we did, I guess, in Europe. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, well, on that basis, given what you've just said, and given we have 10 minutes left of the podcast, hmm. what should we rate it as?
1: Ooh.
0: Taking in your husband's suggestion that we <laughs> slightly modify the ratings and... Come up with a, an average between our different if we di- if we differ. Whereas last episode we agreed, because given for... you just said some people would confuse it for for actual history, that actually means that it should be quite high.
1: No, but it's there's still a lot of stuff that isn't right. Like I wonder how many people think that this uh, Louis the Fourteenth was the one that the French Revolution happened to, and it, mm. the fact that mm. it ends with. He had a reign of peace. He fought so many wars that that's a contribution to the French Revolution. Mm. Um, The fact that he was actually married. uh, I know these are all niggly little nitpicks, but at the same time it adds up. Um, Mm. I'm thinking like 45%. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I could go with that. I was going to say 50, but actually I'm not going to split the difference because I agree with you. I think 45 will do.
1: Yeah, because it's... I think the locations are very accurate, apart from the prison. Uh, The clothing is accurate. The way people are acting kind of is accurate. Um, So you can take out a lot of historical accuracy out of this film, but at the Mm. same time, there is a lot of... not mistakes, but Changing for entertainment wise. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, a, but, do, you, don't you get the feeling that all this time we've been doing these podcasts, this is increasingly what it feels like when we look at a Hollywood-based product.
1: I guess. I think also I'm seeing it through '90s cheeseball eyes as well. So I'm maybe yeah, putting that's it, fair. maybe putting it less because of that.
0: No, I, but I'd be okay with that.
1: Mm.
0: I'd be okay with that. Um, I don't... As someone who grew up with all the 70s versions, I don't worship them as highly. I quite welcomed a lot of the 90s ones mm. because of the bits that they... Because of the, 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 the settings and the physicality of it. I enjoyed the... The bits that they got right, I enjoyed, versus the bits they got wrong. Mm. more so than the older versions where more is wrong, relatively speaking. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, the entertainment that part of the entertainment value comes from the effort they make to portray a historical period. It's not just the pure entertainment value. Mm. Um, admittedly, that all goes out the window with the B- recent BBC Musketeers series because I love it to bits, but it is blatantly not trying very hard to be historically <laughs> accurate. So They're just having fun? Well, let's the fact that you've got a lot of people who've been involved with Doctor Who and Robin Hood and all the recent... Ah. Yeah, it's that kind of... But it's great. It's extremely yeah. entertaining. Um, and, um, yeah, I still need to finish Season 3. I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, there's a lot more sex in Season... Is it Series 2 where it gets, they start to amp up the sex a bit? And I was like, ooh. But then <laughs> it gets really action-packed. Anyway, I haven't seen Year 3. But, no, I mean, you know, it, it's that kind of thing, though. Every... Not generation... But there's been regular versions of this for years and years mm. now. It's one of the, you know, Dumas's works have been adapted since the very earliest days of cinema. Yeah, even uh, if you
1: don't know much about the Three Musketeers, you know the title and you know the uh, for "all for one, one for all." Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's.
1: I think that's such a. If you said Three Musketeers" to someone, that's what they would say.
0: Yes. So, Agreed.
1: Uh, and sword
0: fighting and fancy hats yeah so i think the way to look at it is for people who don't know this is the uh this is your um uh oap not oap that's not right
1: (laughs) well in their their time it is
0: i suppose so this is this is your uh musketeer's last gasp kind of thing last hurrah Mm. yeah that kind of thing so um i think One thing I'll mention briefly is that uh, there's a much, much better take on this kind of story in this same period of time. And it's one of my favourite movies of this period. And it's very underseen in Britain, Mm -hmm. um, which is a French film, mid-90s. And if memory serves, I'm going to have to check now. I think Depardieu was also Portos in that. I could be wrong. Um, (laughs) uh... Not typecast at all. (laughs) <laughs> no, um but it I uh, I uh, I do still have a um subtitled DVD of this somewhere cuz that went out of print quite a well. But it's the English name is D'Artagnan's Daughter. Oh, okay. And um as a long-term fan of Sophie Marceau one of the reasons I was interested in seeing it is that Bertrand Tavernier, who is a uh, quite a very, well, a very well no, known French director in in France, mostly known for um, he wasn't known for period dramas, hmm. and he decided to do something a bit different. And this it, it, this is a film in which Sophie Marceau plays D'Artagnan's daughter. Okay. Growing up in a convent in 1654 and then when the mother superior is murdered after the convent is attacked, she goes out for um revenge by finding her father and reuniting the musketeers and persuading them to go fighting again.
1: That sounds like fun.
0: It's great fun and it because Tavernier was a documentary filmmaker, he's much more he puts a lot of effort into making it, the period look real. Um, Marceau trained for two months in swordsmanship, so she did, and she did most of her own stunts, um, and so a lot of it feel looks and feels very real. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Philippe Noiret, who is a bit, very famous French actor, he plays D'Artagnan. Um, Sammy Frey, who for year again. Famous French actor for years is Aramis. When he was young, he was a very big heartthrob. Jean-Luc Bideau is Athos, and uh, Raoul B- Ral is Porthos. And um, there's other actors as well who were known at the time. Um, uh, uh, Madame Roche de Rochefort is Charlotte Caddy, who I grew up with as a French kids' TV presenter. She used to say, "Hey, next on is the anime," and I was like, "Ooh!" And then she's in <laughs> this as the she's in this as the Milady equivalent. Um, oh, okay. But it's great fun. It's a terrific film, and um, I think it gets the tone that they're aiming for with Man and the Unmask better. Mm. Um, and and it, it remains fun, and yet it does the serious stuff properly.
1: Yeah.
0: I just, it just gets the balance, right? And because it throws out most of the stuff from the books and goes, we're adding a daughter, it's just... I mean, it's Sophie Marceau! <laughs> You know, she's in Braveheart, funnily enough, written by Randall Wallace, and she's in uh, The World Is Not Enough. So, you know, after after D'Authanian's daughter, she starts to be in American productions. And I don't, th- I, much as I, I, I've loved her all her career, I think she's an amazing actress. I don't think she's ever been well used in Western films. Mm. I don't know. Have you, you haven't seen Braveheart. Have you seen the Bond no, film, not... The World Is Not Enough?
1: Uh, I did, but that's when it came out. Yeah, exactly. So it's a very I, I, long time ago. Yeah, and she
0: probably doesn't stand out in your memory as much.
1: No, and I went to see it with Kyrie back in the Odeon, which doesn't exist anymore. And I- yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, I think she's great in it, but but she's always caught, you know, the, as with Eve, Ava Green, Western directors only seem to know certain things to do with these actresses, and then you go to their French films, and they do all kinds of stuff. Mm. So anyway, it's I, I, one of the reasons I put D'Artagnar's daughter on our list of films to do is because I really want to show it to you because I think you'll love it. <laughs> our um, list
1: is just growing and growing and growing. I know. Even as we take stuff off.
0: <laughs> I know. But we're getting there.
1: <laughs> oh, one day when we're very yeah. old. Telling uh, that's people it. to get off our lawn or do you remember the time in 2020 where we couldn't go outside?
0: well you're assuming there's a time when we will go back outside sorry Uh, right with a minute and a half left Jenna where can people find you online
1: you can find me at Nadasco Kitty on Twitter you can find me writing for the Bunkadilla blog you can also find me on almost every single episode of the Big Stomp because I seem to keep guesting on it fantastic Um, and this time we spoke about funny enough the coronavirus and uh, Disney Plus getting launched. so Excellent.
0: Yeah. Jolly good. And I can be found, uh, well, you can talk to us about this podcast uh, on Twitter at 4 Publishing. You can discuss any work with me at 4DA Consultancy. Um, that includes education, media and marketing. And then if you want to talk to me personally, I'm at Hugh K. David across most social media. Um, and we hope you've had fun with this. Yes. Um I, I know. you did bit... watching it. Yes. It's been a bit all over the place, but if you haven't seen The Man in the Iron Mask, we are basically saying, Go enjoy, don't take too seriously. Uh have Do some a tiny fun with bit
1: it. of research before you watch it. Yeah. Just so you know who these people are.
0: Yes, don't expect a film where everything's explained for you and, and handed it to you. It's it's mm. very streamlined. Um but it is worth seeing. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so uh thank you very much, Jen. Au revoir. Indeed, au revoir. Uh, I have bientôt. used
1: all the French I know today.
0: <laughs> That's fine. I've managed to avoid speaking to you in French all episode, which is remarkable. <laughs> so, uh, right, everybody, thank you very much. See you next time.